thing. That's how I'm going to plead. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. You can stand with me, verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. This, of course, is a letter Paul had written to the church at Colossae. And again, it is the Word of God. All God's Word is God-breathed. The Bible says, Mortify, therefore, your members, which which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Father, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that our lives will mimic yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. We spent considerable time looking at how to develop a heavenly mindset. And we began a couple weeks ago on considering and looking at Our new life in Christ. Our new life in Jesus Christ. And I I want to remind all of us this morning that if you are born again, you are a brand new creation. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, or look, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, the very moment we were saved, a radical change in our disposition took place. The Holy Spirit gave us a new life. And if you're born again, there's no way you can be the same anymore. God has changed your life. And the Bible says everything old has passed away. Talking about the old order of sin and death has gone. The selfish, sinful human nature has been given a death blow. Both Christ has come in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Old ways of thinking, old ways of living, old distinctions have been abolished for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are brand new creatures in Christ. And because of that, every day we need to make a conscious decision to get rid of anything in our life that feeds our simple desires and our earthly nature. And we need to every day, every moment, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We are brand new creatures. So what does that mean? That means that we are not to live the way we used to. We are born again. We died. And we were raised with Jesus Christ. And our lives must show evidence that we are now new creations. Now, let me stop here for a moment and explain something here. If any man be, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, that means man or woman, they are a new creation. Some of us say, well, wait a minute, preacher. 
I've seen people through the years go to an altar and pray. And I've never seen a change in their life. So therefore, the gospel doesn't work. That's a lie from the devil. The gospel always works. It always works. And if that person, whoever they are, no matter how long they pray, if their life has not been changed, and has not continuing to change every day, becoming more like Christ, they're not in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, your life is going to change. Amen. So we're looking at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. And Paul lists some things. In this verse, there's five of them. Later on in verse 8, he'll list five more. Things we're to get rid of. And these first five, for the most part, uh, involve sexual sin. The last five are uh, sins of attitude and the way we talk. And the first thing we began to look at a week or so ago was fornication. We're not going to spend much time to today. But what I want to remind all of us is this. God absolutely forbids sexual sin. And he does it not because he's difficult. Not because he wants our lives to be miserable. He forbids it because he wants our life to be full of joy. And how many, you know, we know how, how many lives How many lives has sexual sin destroyed? God knows the power uh, that it has to destroy a person physically and destroy a person spiritually. And so I don't care who you are, the Bible warns, even the book of Proverbs, time and time again, never underestimate the power of sexual immorality. And that's what fornication is. It has devastated lives, So many we can't count them. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed communities. It's destroyed churches. And it's even brought nations down. Now let me uh, say something here this morning. I'm extremely concerned about America. Because when a nation does like we're doing now, turning away from God's word, and saying these other lifestyles are permissive, folks, we're going downhill. And every other nation that did that, that's what brought, brought the Roman Empire down. Sexual sins destroys nations. So God says it's wrong, not because he's mean, not because he wants to be the bad guy. God wants to protect ourselves from ourselves. He wants to protect us from damaging ourselves and others. And so God says, rather than that, fill your life with me. Let Jesus Christ fill your life. So why is this important? Well, the bottom line is this. If you are a child of God, we must not use our bodies for sexual immorality. Because the Bible says, and Paul says in Colossians, We are all members of the body of Christ. Let that sink in. And because of that, I don't have the right to use my body any way I want to because my body belongs to the Lord. I was bought with a price. And by the way, Paul didn't just say that here in Colossians. He says that to the letter of Corinthians as well. But my body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and sexual sin, fornication, is contrary to our new nature and it and our identity as members of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many know? As Christians, our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? The God of the universe lives within us. Amen. He lives within us. We have been redeemed by God for good and righteous works and not for sin. God lives in us. The second thing on that list that Paul mentions there in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3, he mentions that word uncleanness. We might call it impurity. He's talking about moral uncleanness. Now, again, this does not necessarily mean a sexual act is taking place. But it does mean a person exhibits a crudeness or insensitivity in sexual matters. But there's something I think we need to make sure we understand here. This list, these, these five now and the five later on, all of those characteristics that Paul mentions, they are things that were part of our lives before we came to Christ. And he includes that in that uncleanness. That was part of our life before we came to Christ. So again, they should not be a part of our lives. Why? Because now we're born again. And that's the point Paul is trying to make. So when the Bible speaks about uncleanness or impurity, it's a condition of being defiled in some sense. It can also mean contaminated. Some kind of unwanted substance that makes something unclean. Moral uncleanness, impurity. And it's interesting, the Bible speaks about holiness. God says we're to be holy because He is holy. And the concept of purity and impurity are very important in what the Bible says about holiness. Under the rituals of the Old Testament, for example, the Israelites were confronted almost daily with the idea of ritual purity or impurity. And there were many things that could make an Israelite ritually unclean or impure. One example, if they touched the corpse, they were impure. There were certain types of skin diseases made them impure or morally unclean. Eating certain unclean foods made them morally unclean. And those are just a few. There was a litany of things that would make them impure. In fact, there were so many different things that could make them impure Almost everyone at one time in their life dealt with one or more of those issues. There were times in their lives they were impure, male and female alike. And so everyone at one time or another would spend time in a state where they were ceremonially ceremonially impure. 
So when someone had a ceremonial impurity and was declared unclean, that person, whether male or female, didn't matter, was separated from the, from the community. And they were not allowed to worship with the rest of the people of the temple during that period of time. One example is Numbers chapter 5, look at the first four, first four verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper. And everyone that hath an issue, and whosoever is defiled by the dead, both male and female shall be put, shall you put out. Without the camp shall you put them out, that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so, and put them out Without the camp, as the Lord spoke unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. Let's stop here for a moment. There were so many on that list, so many different things that could make a person impure. And so without exception, sometimes during their life, every Jew would spend the time in impurity. So the question is, Paul says, get rid of moral unclean, to get rid of impurity in our lives. The Israelites had, had a problem with that. So once you were impure, were you impure for the rest of your life? Well, that would depend. How many know that God has always been a gracious God? Yeah. We tend to think so in the New Testament, but he was gracious in the Old Testament. And we just read to you from Numbers chapter 5 some of the things that made people impure. But the good news is, even then, God had a path, a way to restore yourself back to purity. You could become pure again. Now, this process in the Old Testament of becoming pure, it depended on how impure you became. And so the process would involve something either from physical washing. If it was a very serious impurity, you could offer an animal sacrifice to atone for that uncleanness in your life. But also understand, and we read in Numbers, the law insisted on purity. And the law said, if you're impure, you have to be quarantined. You have to be separated from the community. So what does that mean? It reminds us that God wants his people to live holy lives. God expects holiness. And by the way, let me remind you, not only did he expect it then in the Old Testament, he expects it now as well. He expects holiness. Now, in the Old Testament, he had chosen Israel to have a special relationship with him. And because God is holy, and his demands of holiness, 
He demanded those who follow him had holiness in their lives. Now listen very carefully. They had a special relationship with God, and God says if you're impure, you've got to be separated from the community. Why? Because God demands his people be holy. But also understand, if you're a child of God, you have a special relationship with God. And he expects us to be holy as well. Galatians 5, verse 9, we get a principle here. A little leaven leaveneth the whole, the whole lump. Now, we don't use that word leaven too much anymore. We would call yeast. And I don't know if anybody breaks, bakes bread anymore or anything like that. But does everybody know what yeast is? I can imagine uh, uh, watching some of the old Three Stooges things. They would bake a cake and they'd put too much yeast in it. And that thing would blow. You know, you, hey, you learn a lot with Three Stooges, okay? Uh, you know, don't use too much yeast, right? Because it just takes a little bit of yeast. That's what uh, verse 9 says of Galatians 5. It takes a little bit of yeast, but it affects the whole loaf. So yes, a little leaven leavens a whole loaf. So the principle was clear. A little impurity, a little impurity negates integrity. Amen. Don't miss that, folks. A little sin destroys holiness. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, when the Bible speaks about, in the Old Testament, of ceremonial impurity... It is often used to illustrate moral impurity. Now, one example was uh, leprosy. I can't imagine how awful that would have been. Wow. Uh, skin, one of the skin diseases, and there were several of them, but it caused a person to be ceremonially impure or unclean. Now, in those days, there was no cure for leprosy. And when you had that disease, you were permanently unclean. And lepers were outcasts for life. They weren't allowed to associate with others because the disease was very contagious. They couldn't live with their families. Couldn't worship at the temple. They couldn't even work at a job. Their impurity was so severe that at any time they were in a public area They were required to identify themselves and shout, unclean, unclean. 
a warning for others to clear out of the way. Don't have contact with me. Leviticus 13, look at verse 45. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent or torn. His beard, I'm sorry, his head bare. Shall put a covering on his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. And because of their impurity, they couldn't work a public job, so all they could do was beg. They had to rely on the mercy of others to spare them food and any daily necessity. And I'm going to remind us today that leprosy, the impurity of leprosy is like sin. And the fact that it isolates us from our communities. It separates us from God. And if we continue in that sin, the wages of sin is what? It's death. It leads to death. That's why I'm thankful for Jesus Christ. And we think about how awful it was that disease. The day when Christ approached the lepers. Now you have to know they were crying out unclean. They had to. Even in the New Testament days. But the fact that he walked toward them startled the crowd. He didn't turn away from them. He didn't clear out of the way. And he didn't draw back in horror. He reached out his hand. He reached out his hand and he touched them. He touched them. Instead of their leprosy making Jesus unclean, His holiness overcame their impurity and He made them clean. Don't miss the application. Leprosy is like sin. In Matthew chapter 8, the first three verses. When He was come down from the mountain... Great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. never forget the day 
when I came to Jesus. And I didn't use those exact words, but that's what I meant. Lord, if you can, can, will you make me clean? I know you can. Will you do it? You see, Jesus Christ has the power to rid us of all impurity, whether it's physical, moral, or spiritual. He has the power to cleanse us. Thank you, Jesus. And I realize that oftentimes when we think of moral impurity, our mind automatically thinks of sexual sin. And certainly that's included. When the Bible speaks of impurity, we see it over and over again. But my friend, there's more to impurity than that. Impurity includes all kinds of sin. Impurity encompasses uh, any activity any thought or any word or action that does not conform to the will of God for our lives. If it doesn't conform, it's impure. First Thessalonians 4, look at verse 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, there's our word, but unto holiness. Is my life completely pure all the time, every day? No, but I sure want it to be. That's the heartbeat of my heart. I want my life to be pure because, folks, if there's any kind of impurity, my integrity means nothing. My testimony means nothing. Paul says, get rid of it. By the way, A lot of things we deal with in our lives now with computers or whatever it is have a default, a default stage. How many know what I'm talking about? I began investing some years ago with the Free Will Baptist Board of Retirement. <clears throat> they have different ones you can invest in. I chose the default matter. But do you realize the Bible teaches That impurity is the default state of all human beings after the fall. It's our natural state. The psalmist had it right in Psalm 51, verse 5. He said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, let me put a footnote here. Some people pull that verse out of context, and they would try to tell you that the marriage intimacy is sin. That's not what that verse says. The psalmist said, I couldn't help it. I was born into sin. My mother was a sinner. My daddy was a sinner. I was conceived in sin. That's my default mode. I am a sinner. Romans 3, 23, you know the verse. For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All of us have. All of us are born as unclean sinners. And we must be cleansed if we're ever going to see God. We must be cleansed. And we have to remember that no one but God is perfect. 
All of us have been polluted through the impurity of sin. It has infected all of our lives. And let me ask today, how many sins does it make to make us a sinner? Just one. Just one. And what we have to realize is that even the slightest sin is still a lethal contaminant to our souls. And folks, that's bad news for us. Ephesians 5, verse 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, there's what we're talking about today, no covetous man, who is an idolatry, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. (laughs) Just like the lepers of the Old Testament, we are all in desperate need of God's mercy. We are all in desperate need of God's grace to reach out and to cleanse us from our sins. The impurities that defile our lives. You see, we need Jesus' touch. And we need the gift of His righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, notice this, wisdom, righteousness, Sanctification and redemption. That's who we are in Christ. We need His touch and we need His righteousness. 32nd Psalm, verse 2. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You know what the glory of the gospel is? The glory of the gospel is that God can make what is, in, what is impure, pure, and He can make what is unclean, clean. He can do it for me, and He can do it for you. And He's done it for, done it for countless thousands. And to our eternal joy, God desires to do that for us through Jesus Christ. God wants to, us to live pure lives and He wants us to be able to do that. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful, to, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody needs to say Amen. Thank God for that First John 1, 9 principle. If I confess my sins, He'll forgive me and He'll cleanse me from all of my iniquities. Folks, that's what God wants to do for us. Now, by the way, without forgiveness, the only thing Christ can do with the sin of impurity and any other sin is to condemn it. That's all He can do. Thank God he offers forgiveness. Now the good news is, the good news is, he also forgives it when we confess it and turn from it. He cleanses us 
And he gives us the victory over sin. In John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11, we're, and we're going to finish with this, okay? Very familiar story. Woman taken in adultery. I've never figured out why they didn't bring the man. They were both guilty, okay? They just brought the woman because they were trying to trip up Jesus. Look what he says in verses 10 and 11. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't know that John tells us how many were there that day. But you have to know they all had rocks in their hands, stones. And one by one, after Jesus had let him without sin cast the first stone, you hear thud, 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 thud. And the only one who had the right to cast a stone he said, I'm not going to. I'm not going to condemn you. You know what he did? He forgave her. And he told this immoral woman, I want you to leave your life of sin, and I want you to go and sin no more. And church, he says that to you and I today. He wants us to go and sin no more. And let me remind you something about our Savior. He never told anyone to do anything that he didn't give them the power to do. He gives us the power to do it. When we belong to Christ, I don't care what it is in our lives, he will give us power over sin if we are obedient to his word. Let's stand together. Father, what a gracious God you are. The command is clear. Go and sin no more. Father, I pray for all of us who name the name of Christ. I pray that we remind ourselves that you demand holiness. Remind us we cannot achieve it on our own, but only as we allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work in our lives. I pray for all today who name the name of Christ. I pray their confession is genuine. And I pray they can back it up by how they live. By keeping your commandments and walking in the light. I pray especially, Lord, for the lost today that don't know Christ as their Savior. And there are so many out there that are self-deceived. God, speak to their heart. 
draw them to you and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name.